All right. I have kind of a complicated scheme I wanted to share with all of you, my most loyal listeners. I want you to help me spread the word of superwomen far and wide. And how are we going to do this? Well, I'm going to do a sweepstakes. So here's how it's going to work. I want you to tell a friend about the podcast. I want that friend to download the podcast, screenshot it, and DM it to me. And guess what? I'm going to pick a lucky winner that both of you get something from me. I'm going to give you guys each $250 gift cards so that you can go buy whatever you want on my site and enjoy just for being such loyal listeners. So I'm going to repeat the instructions just in case that was really confusing. I want you to share this podcast with a friend. Have that friend send me a screenshot to my at Rebecca Minkoff in my DMs of them downloading the podcast and tagging you so I know you're the beautiful one that brought them here. And I will send two lucky winners. So that's $1,000 of gift cards to you and a friend and a friend and another. So get sharing, get promoting, send the women you love this podcast because I make it for women who need a daily dose of inspiration who need to know that work is hard, it can be rewarding, it can be terrifying, but at the end of the day, we're doing what we love. Hey everyone, welcome to Superwomen. Today's guest is the incredible, the legendary Bobby Brown. I am so excited to interview you and just talk to you today. So welcome. Oh, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to talk to you. It's been a while. It has been a while. I feel like for a minute we were running into each other at lots of places and hallways saying, yeah, yeah, we're going to get together. <laughs> we're going to get to, yeah, I know. We've, we've pretty much been like neck and neck on a lot of different things, but we never quite totally connected. So <laughs> it's nice to finally connect. Yeah, for sure. I'm sure that everyone listening knows Bobby Brown. I know, you know, you, you launched this company, you exited it four years ago, and I want to get into everything new that you're doing, but can you just give us a little background on your original love of makeup? What, what inspired you to launch your company in the first place? Sure. Uh, You know, ever since I was a young kid, I loved makeup and the, you know, the story goes that my mother years ago said, what do you want to do? And I said, I have no idea. And she said, if today's your birthday, you could do anything. What, what would you want to do? Now, I could have said, go, you know, go clothes shopping, but I said, I want to go to the makeup store. I love makeup. She said, why don't you make a career in makeup? So I found a college. I went to Emerson College. I studied makeup. And when I came out, I moved to New York and started pounding the pavement, became a freelance makeup artist. That's kind of the story in a, in a nutshell. And then being a freelance makeup artist, I wasn't happy with what was on the market. And I would mix and blend my own things. And then when I had an opportunity through a chance meeting with a chemist to develop a lipstick, I did. I jumped at it and I created a range of wearable, 10 wearable shades, which I sold out of my house. And then eventually Bergdorf Goodman. And fast forward four and a half years later, sold the company to Estee Lauder, where I stayed for 22 years and uh, left four and a half years ago. Wow. I have so many questions. First, when you're pounding the pavement, being a freelance makeup artist, it's very different now. I feel like everyone, you know, has a makeup artist on demand or through Glam Squad. Back then, you know, people were doing their own makeup. 
you know, it, w- it wasn't the industry necessarily it was now. So how did you make a living and, and was it just fewer, better shoots? And how did you get your foot in the door? Well, in the beginning, I, I was, I've always been very tunnel brained, like, okay, this is what I want to do. I knew I wanted to be uh, an editorial makeup artist. I knew I wanted to do makeup for shoots. And at the time it was glamor, it was self magazine and it was Mademoiselle. So I just kept going back to see the people that hired people and, you know, showing my new work. I would do a lot of building my portfolio, showing them what I have. And I think I eventually got hired, not because of my incredible talent that was not evident and I certainly didn't have, but because I was nice and I was upbeat and someone gave me a chance. So that's, you know, how I really got started. And I started, you know, doing magazine work. And my goal was to get a Vogue cover. It took me seven years. And I was able to be the makeup artist on the cover of Vogue. So I pretty much supported myself with editorial and whatever catalogs and advertising I could do. When you say you had a chance meeting with a chemist and you started in your apartment and then, you know, you make the jump to Bergdorf's. I'm sure people sitting in their, wherever they are in their living rooms right now are like, well, how the hell do you go from an apartment to Bergdorf's? That's a pretty beautiful step. Right. So will you tell us a little bit about how that happened? Well, first of all, it was a house because I was living in the suburbs and in Montclair, New Jersey, just had my first kid who's now almost 31 and engaged. And I was, you know, figuring this thing out. I met a buyer at a party at Bergdorf Goodman and it was her house. And I pitched the makeup, the lipsticks, and she said, great, we're very interested. And after, you know, back and forth and a couple other things, they ended up launching us. And in the meantime, my husband and I didn't really know anything about the business. We had friends that did, and we joined a 50-50 partnership with them. And we launched Bobby Brown Essentials, I say in quotations, with 10 wearable lipsticks that were sold retail at Bergdorf Goodman uh, in February of 1991. So we couldn't just do uh, sell the lipsticks that the chemist was making me because the original deal was the chemist made the lipsticks and we sold them for $15. I got $7.50 and he got $7.50. You know, that was a nice, you know, chunk of change to buy groceries in the beginning. But when this got to be a serious business, we needed to find a manufacturer to actually make the lipsticks and buy the cases and create a logo and turn it into a, you know, a business that looked a little professional. And we launched Bobby Brown Professional Cosmetics. So after four years in business you decided to sell. Can you take me through that, that thinking and and that process? Because I feel like today we're all told, you know, build a big sell, then get out. And you sold it and stayed for quite a long time. Uh, And I'm just curious to hear about how that, how that worked for you. Well, it wasn't our intention to sell. We were a young company that happened to have hit at a very, amazing time where there was no other new companies on the market that did this natural look. And, and I had a nerve, the combination of, 
you know, being um, a working makeup artist, having the editors write about it where, you know, that's invaluable to any kind of a new company. So we had a bunch of really interesting things that no one else had at the time. And we weren't for sale. We had venture people call us. We had, you know, international companies call us. We took all the meetings and nothing ever happened. And then one day we got a call uh, that Estee Lauder was interested and Leonard called and who doesn't take a meeting with Leonard Lauder? We did. He was the CEO, fell in love with Leonard and he promised me all these amazing things and we sold the company. It was about four and a half years, between four and five years. And honestly, the main reason that we sold was A, because to, you know, align with Lauder at the time was unbelievable. We had just had our second baby, my husband and I, we were still living in New Jersey and we were not getting along with our partners. And so it was not a joyous relationship. And it was a great way for us to a, end that partnership and let, you know, Estee Lauder deal with them. Uh, it, was, it was tough. I'm sure it was as tough for them as it was for us. So we sold the company and I became the, you know, chief creative officer. And it was magical for many years. So I'd love for you to take me through the, the decision to leave. When did you know it was time? And how, how did you deal with leaving, you know, this namesake brand? Because people ask me this all the time, like, well, you're Rebecca Minkoff and you're the brand. And how do the two work together? Yeah. So I'm curious. It's, com- it's, it's complicated. Name. It's complicated. And, you know, when we sold the company, my husband explained to me how the contract worked and that they will own my name for all cosmetics. And if there's any other thing I needed for, I would need their permission. You know, I was like, okay, that's fine. I don't need my name. And, you know, what, what am I going to need it for? So I didn't really understand it all, but it was fine because I don't really need my name. And it is my name. And it does get, you know, confusing and complicated. But I'm, you know, I make peace with the fact that I don't own my name because in our, in this day and age, you know, having, uh, Instagram and all everything else that we have at our fingertips, you see my face, you hear my voice, you know, I have a podcast and everybody knows that I am a person who happens to be called the same name as this makeup company. And yes, I had to separate it when I first left. And every once in a while, people now email me or text me and say, wait, is Bobby Brown doing Jones Road? And I'm like, no, 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 no. The company has nothing to do with it. We're not together anymore. And that's okay. Now, as you know, anyone that has a, their name as a brand, there's always emotion you know, being tied to it. And when I first left the brand, you know, it was like a pit of my stomach that was always you know, evident to me that I... I couldn't quite find my footing for the first couple days, couple weeks. And then I started to, I started to realize, okay, this is a clean slate. What do I really want to do? Let me just do everything and see what happens. And I did. So what did you start with first? Evolution 18? So, so I left and honestly, you know, it was a long time in coming, but it finally happened. And I didn't know, I have a clue what I was going to do. I had, my ninth book 
was to be published in the spring. And by the way, so was my 60th birthday. So it was a pretty, you know, big time. I went back to school and got my degree as a health coach from IIN, which I did on my iPad. And I did my first project was, I did two at the same time, actually, a hotel in Montclair, New Jersey with my husband called The George. And that was my team and his team got together. It was quite intense and epic and interesting. And now we have this cool boutique hotel, but it was just another creative place for me to put my energies. I also, you know, called a friend of mine, a dear friend of mine. And, you know, when I told him I left, he said, that's okay because I need you. And he owned Lord and Taylor and he was trying to figure out how to bring some excitement. And he said, what if we give you six or eight stores and you do a concept shop called Just Bobby, just curate your favorite things, either from what we carry or we'll carry things you like, you'll put things in. And so I did that for a year and it was really fun. So I know me, I I get bored really easy. And if I don't have creative outlets, I'm not fulfilled. So I did those right away. And then I had an opportunity through QVC, through a mutual friend to create a line of wellness products. And I did that for a while and realized I didn't really want to be on QVC anymore and opened a website. And now we sell Amazon and direct-to-consumer and Walmart. So, I mean, my husband and I talk about opening a a bed and breakfast when we retire. Is the work involved? Like, how do you actually mentally compartmentalize all the different ventures that you have? Because you have the hotel, you have Jones Road, you have Just Bobby, you have your books, you have your podcast. How do you how do you do all that in a day? And I'm I'm sure a lot of it is is all obviously team. But tell me through like how you're managing all these different platforms. Well, certainly it's team and it's also, I do one thing at a time, meaning one day at a time. You know, the podcast, I have an amazing producer, so she does a lot of the work. It's my second podcast and, you know, I I enjoy it. I don't put like, you know, an intense amount of energy in it. You know, the Evolution 18, we have a teeny little team. I put, you know, probably 20% of my time. I like what they're doing. I, I make sure, the way that I lead is I make sure I hire people that do a really good job and honestly understand my vision. And sometimes they're inexperienced people that love what I do and understand and get it, and they learn on the job. And that's, sometimes a good thing. And sometimes that makes me frustrated, but I much rather do it visually the way I want it. And then, you know, I built a whole new team for Jones road. I knew that was going to take the majority of my time, but I also Rebecca have always been someone that has figured out how to do all these cool, big giant things. Cause I just jump into things, but I also take time to exercise. I take time to travel. I take time to, you know, to have dinner with my family, uh, to do all these things. And often I'm 
at the grocery store on the phone with an editor. Like I, I just don't really have as many boundaries as I should. <laughs> and the older I get, I get tired at four o'clock from all this like activity. So I say to everyone, I'm going home and I go home and I let the dogs out and I, I decompress. And, and then I, my, I've always done this, by the way, I always left my New York office around four o'clock. Sometimes it was five. I had an hour to an hour and a half, depending on traffic in the car. I was able for the first time all day to go through my emails, to make phone calls. And that allowed me like the transition time so I could be present for my kids and my family. I knew not to, you know, bring my work into my home because no one really cares all the fabulous things I was doing. They wanted to know what's for dinner. And I needed to like ask my kids about school and my husband about what he's doing. And, you know, sometimes it's a challenge because I was wrapped up in some project, but something I, I've always worked on and I'm still working on it. So what would you say you've taken, uh, you know, your decades long career in beauty? What have you taken into Jones Road and how have you shaped the brand differently with the, all the lessons you've learned? What's so cool is that as someone that did this for 30 years, you know, 30 years ago or whatever, how many years by now, it's, I learned all the basics. I learned all the nuts and bolts of everything, but the rules have changed. And even when I was still at the brand at the very end, and I would see all these cool companies that pop up like, you know, Glossier or like all these other companies that are direct to consumer that don't have to deal with the retailers, that don't have to deal with the overstock or the understock and all the problems that make our lives, you know, like crazy and trying to figure out. And I wanted, I wanted in, I wanted to understand what it's like to also not have someone constantly saying, you can't say that on Instagram. Oh, you have to do this now. Oh, you have to do this now. So I wanted to just like have a company and be a little bit more organic and do what I think is the right thing. And if it's not, I won't do it again. And it seems to have, you know, started working. It's only been four months, which is crazy. I feel like it's grown so fast in four months because I remember when you sent it to me and I don't know, I guess time for me is a flat circle. So yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, it's a lot has happened in four months. And, you know, I worked on this for a good two years, you know, year and a half. And, you know, I had a very, very strict non-compete and I was ideating and creating things. And, you know, it's my happy place looking at logos and what the package should be. And, you know, it was really fun, like looking at stock catalogs with one person and not teams of people. And yeah, we put together this very simple edited collection. We have, we have a year more in the pipeline before we have to start thinking of new things. Like we're literally through next February and we don't need to like present to international, you know, retailers. We don't need to have to do all the things that we used to have to do. And it just kind of takes away a lot of the grief. And I am sure if this becomes a very successful company, I'm going to be, you know, in the middle of issues and grief at some point. So I'm enjoying the process now. 
I think it's really important that you say this because I feel like there's this romanticized version of when you're bigger, you're it's easier or there's more money or all these things that somehow are marketed to us. And then you get bigger and like you're saying, there's more grief. Oh my God, um, there's so much. I mean, you know, there's so much more. There's things, who's going to worry about stuff? And, I, you know, we're probably very similar. I'm a worrier by nature. You know, I worry about my kids. I worry, I just worry about stuff. So when you have a company, I, I worry about things. I worry like, are the formulas, you know, it's a clean formula. You know, are, is it going to turn bad? Are we going to have extra stock? And it turned out it was the complete opposite. We sold out of our best selling color in three weeks and we thought we had six months worth. So all good problems. And guess what I did? Instead of, you know, making up some excuse, I just said to everyone, I'm so sorry, but we didn't realize it was going to be so successful. Please stay tuned. I promise we're making more. And we brought it in. And one really cool thing we did is after about a month or so and the demand, you know, we had 10, 20,000 people on the wait list for this, these balms. Someone called me and said, you're not going to believe this, but I found 20, we found 2,500 balms in the warehouse, but there's no boxes. I said, okay, go get sandwich bags and some really cool neon tape, put the ingredients on a separate card. Let's make a postcard. And we sold 2,500 literally in a couple hours. Oh my goodness. That's amazing. With no box. And who needs the box? Now, you know, you don't need a box. Just some right. cool tape. And yeah. Someone asked me last night, I was doing a clubhouse. They said, do you ever want to start something new and have it be small? And I was like, I don't have time to think about that right now, but that sounds great. Yeah. yeah. And I have this conversation and we can have it offline to so many successful, you know, business owners, entrepreneurs. And um, yeah, it's look, I, I was, I have to be honest, I was forced into making these changes because I really, it was like, it had to happen. And I was not exactly like, you know, okay, let me think about it for six or eight months. It didn't happen that way. So you never, you never know what happens and what ends up to be, you know, a tough situation turns into a blessing in disguise. Totally. So I have two questions. I'd love to ask all my guests, the fun, the fun ending, even though I don't want to end over the years, is there a piece of advice that you have either learned the hard way or someone gave to you that you could share with my listeners? Yes. What I'm learning now, and I learn this every day, is the art and importance of patience because we want everything right away. We want the success right away. We want, you know, I certainly want to launch things right away. I, you know, I want answers right away. I want to ship internationally right away. I realize it doesn't matter what I want. <laughs> it just matters that I have to be patient. And I'm learning the art of not snapping when someone says it can't be done yet. Like, I'm like, what do you mean it can't be done? No, Bobby, calm down. Explain to me why it can't be done. And I'm like, okay, I understand. Maybe it is better to wait until our warehouse is up and running. Okay, that makes sense. So, oh, this is why we do this. So, so patience is the first thing. So, so your technique is 
you tell yourself to be patient when you're feeling impatient? Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. That's good. I need, I need that in my life. I'm yes. going to take that one. Uh-huh. Um, and then what is something we'd be surprised to know about you? It could be uh-huh. funny, embarrassing, habit. Well, I mean, I've told people I've danced on stage with Flo Rida and salt and pepper So that's, you know, something that, you know, I have put out there, but you know, it's, it's not so much surprising, but I think that everybody thinks that, oh, Bobby has it all together. You know, everything is just, and you know what? I'm sitting here now in my house and honestly, I've got piles everywhere, things I haven't been able to, you know, to deal with. And it personally drives me crazy because I'm self-diagnosed OCD and ADD. So I'm either lining things up or messing it up. And it's like, it's my thing, my bone to, you know, to pick because I want to be simple and organized and I just can't seem to get there. Well, you're killing it on all fronts. So I think whatever you're doing is working for you just fine. Thank you, Rebecca. (laughs) Yeah. And um, just want to, this is not a, a sponsored content, but your, the Jones Road product is incredible. And I use it every day and I was, it took me a minute to get to open it um, just because I like to use up whatever I have before I open something new. And when I use it up, when I, when I opened it, I was like, oh my God, this is incredible. So you've struggled again. Oh, thank you. I I honestly, I'm making products for me and you know, I am kind of every woman. I get it. I have dry skin. I have this, I have that. I get it. So thank you very much. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Well, thank you for being on. And if you feel like there's ever time in your in your world for round two, we'd love to continue this conversation. I would be happy to. I would love that. All right. Thanks so much for having me on. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everybody. And don't forget to head over to RebeccaMinkoff.com. Show your love and support for the brand. Buy something for yourself. Buy something for another. And also don't forget to try my new fragrance. Again, it is available at all Nordstrom, Macy's, Scentbirds, and Birchboxes, as well as our site.